I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. The playoffs are going to be starting this week, and because of that, we're joined by a Celtics favorite very vocal on social media about her support of Boston and the Boston city, the city of Boston. We're joined by Anna Horford. Thank you for joining us today, Anna. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing really, really well. Um, I'm a bit anxious for this first playoff series, but I'm excited. So, so yeah, it should be good. Yeah, I mean, for you, it must be even more difficult having Al playing in Philly and then that matchup being Boston's first round as well. How do you envision, like, what side of defense are you going to be sitting on? Oh my gosh, everyone keeps asking me this, and I keep saying, no matter what I say, I'm going to, like, be in trouble with someone's fan base. So I don't really want to pick sides. Obviously, you know, family comes first. I want Al to do really, really well. Um, And I do want Philly to do well. It's just, I happen to love Boston, and we happen to you know, be playing them in the first round. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the odds were for that happening, but when I found out, I was just like, great, just my luck. Amazing. Have you spoken to Al since the playoffs were kind of solidified? Um, Not really since the playoffs are solidified, uh, but, (laughs) you know, I'm sure that he's just, he's trying to get, you know, into the right headspace and mindset and, you know, there's still a lot of love between Al and his old team. So I think that, you know, this is going to be a really, really interesting series for him. I mean, Brett Stevens spoke about him after the, the Celtics last game, saying how amazing Al was as a basketball player, how amazing he was as a teammate, and how they kind of have to scheme to defend against Al because Al's so good at making the right plays every time down the floor. It's going to be really difficult watching him and not cheering for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's so funny because a lot of like Celtics fans, especially on Twitter, um, have reached out to me and have been like, obviously we're rooting for the Celtics, but we're also wanting Al to have a really good series because uh, we still love you guys. So I think that that's amazing. And every time someone says something like that, you know, I think it just makes me miss Boston even more. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and how's his first season in Philly been for you? I've seen you've had good interactions with Philadelphia fans and I've also seen you have some more negative interactions with them. Yeah. So it's been really strange. Like I think at first when they first found out that they acquired Al, they were super excited. Everyone was pretty, you know, hype about it, especially because Al's been a real pain in their side during the playoffs and against Embiid and, you know, Al played the 76ers really well when he was on the Celtics and he was a major issue for them. So I think they were kind of like, ha ha, we took, you know, one of your secret weapons away from you and now he's on our team. But then when Al wasn't putting up, you know, a million points and a million rebounds a game, they turned on him pretty quickly. And I've said this before, but like, he's never been that kind of player to put up you know, 20 or 30 points and 20 rebounds. That's just not what he does. So, so yeah, it, it was interesting because I, I kind of have been frustrated with Philly fans. Like, did you even know the, the player that, you know, you guys were receiving? Like, did, 
did you even like follow his career at all? Do you, you know, so, um, so it's been interesting. I think that it's just maybe a, a Philly cultural thing as well, uh, that they're really hard on their players and they're known to like boo their players and stuff. I just don't really vibe with that really well. So it's kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, how that goes during, uh, this playoff series. I mean, for you being in the family rooms at the games, like you were in Boston and building those relationships with other teammates, family, do you have any interactions with them when, when the Philly fans may have turned against their family members that have been playing? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like when Al's with the Celtics, you know, the Celtics were our team, our family, and you just, you defend family. That's what you do. So I feel like I always kind of tried to have, you know, everyone's backs. And even sometimes at the games, it's really funny, like family will sit together just depending on the seating or the game or whatever. So, you know, if some fan in the audience is like about Jalen or something and, you know, his mom's next to us, like me or my sister will be like, Hey, maybe shut up, you know, like, um, we'll stand up for each other and, and whatnot. And so, so yeah, it's been really weird, like not being a part of the Celtics family. It's still because the season has been so strange. It hasn't even been like a real, you know, first season, uh, fully with Philadelphia. It's just, there's just still like, we haven't really solidified, you know, that closeness that I feel like we had with, uh, the Celtics players and, and organization and whatnot. And you haven't really been stateside for the majority of this season. Um, I feel like you've <laughs> kind of been on my side yeah. of the world, actually. How's that yeah. been for you? What's the, I mean, it's a big adjustment, right? Yeah, it's definitely a big adjustment. I mean, I've spent some time in London, and then um, right now I'm on the Isle of Wight, which, like most Americans, don't even know exists. <laughs> so um, every time someone's like, where are you? I have to fully explain it, but... Um, yeah, it's been a major adjustment. Um, I, but I don't really mind not being in America during COVID because they're handling it terribly. And, um, you know, it's a lot more dangerous to be back home than it is to be where I'm at right now. So I'm actually pretty grateful for that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been good. It's, I think one thing that's going to annoy me is, um, the timing of, of these games because it's going to be so late here. So I'm going to be like a night owl essentially. And and I don't know how you guys do it. I got into a really good routine of uh, waking up before work without checking my social media and then watching the game then because it would only be like an hour after it finished. Oh, okay. Uh, because otherwise you just, you're a walking zombie for like eight months <laughs> of the year. And I was like, I'm not yeah. anymore. So mm. that's but it's different for you because you've got a family member. You're more. I'm emotionally invested. You're like incredibly emotionally invested. <laughs> so yeah, it, definitely. It is really difficult. I mean, being on the Isle of Wight though, you're very isolated as well. So that risk of COVID has been really kind of marginalised for you. How bad mm -hmm. was it on there? How bad was it there? Because we didn't see many reports here about the Isle of Wight anyway. Yeah, it was actually not that bad here. I can't remember the amount of cases, but this is like. I mean, there are a lot of, I'm sure, you know, like a lot of older people on the Isle of Wight. And um, so it was at first, people thought it'd be a really high risk place, but everything was pretty strict about, you know, getting shut down initially and 
all of the, you know, um, precautions that they put in place for, for stores and, you know, gas stations and things like that. It was pretty strict. So I think that helped a lot. I think that's something that America kind of like missed the mark on was getting like really tough really quickly. And that's why they're still struggling with cases right now. So, so yeah, it actually wasn't that bad. Um, I don't know if you have like the COVID app um, where they can track it, but that was initially um, started here on the Isle of Wight. Um, I think just because of like the isolation and the population and whatnot. So, so yeah, I think that they've done a pretty good job handling the whole thing, all, keep, all things considered. And I've seen you put a few tweets up um, about the t- difference in slang and terminology, like trunk and boot <laughs> and icicle and lollipop. How, how have you adjusted to uh, just kind of not ripping on people when they say something that comes across as a bit stupid to you? Oh, my God. Well, I, <laughs> I am so, like, I can't help it sometimes. Like, when, when my boyfriend says something or when his family member says something, like, oh, well, give me a tinkle on the blower or, like, you know, something, like, so English, I just can't help but laugh. But there are words that I really, really love, too. Um, you know, like, uh, chuffed and fit and I don't know, there are like a million, uh, basically don't judge me, but, (laughs) um, some of my boyfriend's friends got me to start like watching love Island last year (laughs) and it's a terrible, disgusting show, but I can't look away. And some of the terminology they use on there is like so ridiculous. It's really funny if you're if you're American and you if you haven't heard of Love Island and you like mindless trash TV, I would definitely recommend giving it a shot. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, a friend of mine from California, he the listeners will know him. His name's Brendan. I actually got him and his girlfriend at the time really into watching Love Island, and they went through every season on demand. I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't watch it. My wife does. It's definitely not one if you're looking to enlighten yourself, but if you just want to zone out and watch some terrible, terrible TV. Mm, yeah. It's definitely one. Of, and then now they're doing two seasons a year as well, which is worse because I just can't get away from it. It's everywhere here as well. It's like, it's weird. It's like the Super Bowl. Like you guys all tune in. Well, obviously not all of you, but so many people watch, like young and old, watch this show. And it's like, (laughs) it's absolutely wild. And just the whole like idea of it and, you know, the swapping of partners and the, the Casa Amor and like just the drama is, is wild. Have you partaken in either Gogglebox or Naked Attraction? (laughs) No, but I've heard, um, I've heard of Naked Attraction. I haven't heard of the other one, Um, which is funny too, because that's a show that would never be on the U.S. because, um, because it involves nudity, correct? Like that's the one where you like can see someone's body like little by little and decide if you want to go out with them and then they yeah. show you their face at the end. Yeah, so you get, to, you literally, <laughs> it's all on body and then you decide afterwards. Like, yeah, I want this person and then you see their face, which is a really bizarre concept. It is super weird, but I, I respect the uniqueness of it. So Gogglebox is one where you're literally watching people watch TV and that took over, that did for about two years. What? Yeah, so they You're put, watching people watch TV? Yeah, so they put cameras in people's lounges and living rooms and yeah. then they literally film them watching TV and then you watch those people watch that show. 
it's really bizarre. That is so weird. That sounds like a weird porn fetish or something. Yeah, it's like a, it's like the Truman Show <laughs> in real life. Yeah, that's really bizarre. But um, I yeah, I'd have to say for Trash TV, Love Island is is definitely um, one that that I've enjoyed watching mindlessly. Yeah, it's terrible, and um, I don't know how they remain famous afterwards either. It's absolutely insane. I know all the all the deals they get and stuff. Like even if you don't win. You get these amazing like sponsorships and deals and it's basically just like here's your reward for being super hot congrats and they get paid so well per episode as well do they get paid per episode yeah my friend actually got an offer to go on there and um he his mom basically was like no you can never do that um <laughs> but it was like a uh, five thousand pounds per episode no way yeah so if you make it all the way through and still don't win you're still like 50k up that is crazy. I didn't know that. It was, that uh, is uh. wild. <laughs> um, I have a quick question about Love Island. In your opinion, do people from England really speak like that? Or is it just on Love Island? You know, the whole like, you know, go for a chat, babes, you know, like all that. Like, is that really how people speak? I mean, it's not anybody I know. Uh, I feel like there's sections of people that definitely speak like that. I uh, heard in, in Essex they speak like that. Yeah, very, very much so. <laughs> I'm from, I'm not from London. I'm quite far away. Where, where I am, nobody speaks like that. I can tell from your accent. You're from like Birmingham, right? Is it that bad? <laughs> no, it's not bad. I can just tell. I've just spent a lot of time here. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly where I'm from. And I watch Peaky Blinders, which you probably either love or hate. It destroys my commute sometimes. Like I used to work right in the city center and you'd be going home and all the roads were closed off because they were filming. So yeah. I, oh, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but basketball. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> so you're here. This is kind of where I was circling to with all of this conversation. You're here <laughs> and then everybody's had to go into the bubble and they've had to do their isolation and now they're able to kind of intermingle with other players that have completed their isolation. When that first got announced and you knew Al was going to be going into that bubble, as a sibling, how, how did that affect you? What were your concerns? What were, like, were you concerned or did you feel like, no, the NBA has got this on lock? I'm definitely, like, I was definitely concerned just because this pandemic is a, you know, it's a once in a hundred year thing that we don't know anything about. And we're still learning about COVID. We don't have a vaccine. And no matter how much money you have and how well prepared you are, you just never really know how things are going to play out. So I was definitely concerned because at first I was thinking, you know, the NBA was kind of putting profit over people, which is unfortunately the way the world works. And, you know, they, they had the option to opt out, but at the same time, I feel like it wasn't really an option, you know, like when your boss tells you you don't have to do something, but you really have to actually do it or you might get fired. <laughs> um, so I, I, at first I was kind of upset. I didn't really think it was that fair to the players, especially so many of these guys have uh, families and wives and, and little ones at home. Like my brother, you know, he has, a, um, he has all his little kids um, at home and whatnot. So yeah, it was definitely concerning, but it's been really impressive how they've handled everything, how they managed it all. And um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of agree that like maybe we should be using these resources for people like nurses and doctors and not athletes. 
Um, but, uh, you know, MBA is entertainment, helps make the world go around. So, so yeah, I think they've done a pretty good job, though. And the other thing that they've kind of implemented, which is greatly underappreciated, is the way that they've allowed these players to do their own thing in terms of you're seeing more content being produced within the bubble. You're seeing like Dame Lillard drops a mixtape. You've got all the Jalen <laughs> Brown and Donovan Mitchell YouTube yeah. um, things that are going up. But Al's like really introverted by the scenes of it. Like you don't really see much of what Al's doing outside of when he's on the floor. Do you know what he's doing to keep sane in there and not go crazy by being around these guys 24-7? I mean, I'm sure he's just working out, Skyping his little, you know, his little children at home, his little nuggets, and um, probably watching, like, funny movies or Spongebob. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, Al's one of those guys, too, like, even during normal basketball, when, you know, they take road trips out west and they go to L.A. and, like, all the young guys want to go out to the clubs and stuff, Al's like, oh, gotta, it's 9 o'clock, got to tuck in you know, ready, ready for bed. Um, so he, he is very low key. He's like the ultimate professional doesn't really, um, mess around too much, but, um, yeah, I'm sure he's, he's probably in, in his, uh, his room playing Uno with, with teammates or doing something really low key like that. No chance of a feature off him on the next day album. Oh my gosh. You guys <laughs> would die. He, <laughs> he doesn't even really like listen to that much rap. So, um, no, he's, <laughs> it'd be like asking like your dad to rap for you, you know? I feel like we could all get in with that content. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it'd be entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Al would go for it. I don't think he would, but. I feel like you need to at least try and make this happen at this point. Maybe we should get it trending, get it trending on Twitter. We'll have to come up with a good name. Yeah. Maybe if he was allowed to rap in Spanish, he'd do it. Cause then. Not everyone would know what he was saying, and that's his first language anyway, so. I mean, D-Smoke from that Cardi B thing on Netflix wrapped in Spanish, and he won, so you never know. Never know. Did you see that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, I can't remember what it was called. It was, um, it was like, a, like an X Factor, but for hip-hop, and it was like Chance the Rapper and Cardi B and um, T.I. went around different cities in America and picked up the best underground rappers and then put them through like an X Factor series. Highly recommend. Oh, that's cool. Highly recommend. <laughs> we keep circling back to Netflix, but it's a And you're also doing your thing as well. Like you've got your podcast over with um, CLNS Media, which are good friends of Celtics blog. How's that going for you? How are you finding getting on guests with the time difference? Because that took me a lot of time to adjust to. Yeah, no, it's definitely a lot more challenging, especially, you know, when someone is like West Coast, you know, or I, um, I had Liv Simmons, Ben's sister on, um, my podcast like a couple months ago and, and she's all the way in Australia. Um, so I think it's like a 12 hour difference from here, um, or something. And, uh, so yeah, it, it is challenging. Uh, but I, I've got a few more episodes, um, to go for this season and, um, I'd love to eventually when it's safe last, uh, last September, I think it was, I sat down with Cedric Maxwell, um, and we did like a live show. Uh, and CLNS helped, you know, orchestrate all of that. And that was really great. It was a lot of fun. I love being back in Boston. So um, I'm hoping we'll be able to do something like that again. 
And how long do you intend to remain over the in these shores with the terrible winter heading towards rapidly? <laughs> yeah, I'll actually be back in the States next month. So um, I will be home shortly. Um, so yeah, shouldn't, shouldn't be too bad, but I mean, the winters back home are, are much worse. I, I live in Michigan. So, um, so I was here on the, uh, Isle of Wight actually for Christmas as well. And, uh, it was super mild and I was like, this is what your Christmas looks like. Like no snow, like nothing. Um, so, so yeah, it's actually probably going to be worse when I go back home. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'd never <laughs> wish a worse winter on anybody. <laughs> So before I let you go, let's get some predictions. Who do you think is coming out of this matchup between Boston and Philly? Okay, well, I don't want to, like, incriminate myself. So, um, I mean, I, I'm just hoping for a good series. I think that it'll probably go to six games. Um, and I don't want to say who I think will win. <laughs> Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm obviously rooting for my brother. Um, and whoever wins, you know, I'll be happy for. So I just, I want to leave it at that because I, I know like this next, um, you know, week or so is going to be just terrible for me on social media and I don't want to make it any worse for myself. So I, I'm going to be Switzerland. I'm going to be like kind of neutral. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Expertly done. Expertly done. Thank you. Definitely. And I, I feel sorry for your mentions over the next few weeks. Oh, me too. Um, what's your prediction? I'm going Celtics in six. Okay. I, I've been hearing that a lot, actually. Um, a lot. Celtics in six. So I was far more worried when Ben Simmons was available. I do feel... Yeah. Like, and I've, I have mentioned this on previous episodes. I feel like with Ben Simmons out, they're actually more dangerous because they can run through Allen and Embiid down on the block where Boston's weak. But mm. I feel like Boston's just got enough firepower that they'll be able to come out of it in six. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a fun series. So, um, so yeah. Guys, if you're not following Anna, then make sure you are because I'm really interested to see what these live tweets look like once the games are actually <laughs> Oh, on. God. <laughs> they're they're going to be um, interesting, to say the least. Anna, thank you yeah, for joining me. I'm glad that you're safe and you're on um, a nice little island somewhere that's way better than London. So that's always a good start. <laughs> and um, I hope you have a safe trip back to the States next month. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you very much. Enjoy Love Island. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.